Good morning, New Beginnings Christian Community Church. My name is Pastor Alfredo Peña, and we're excited that you are joining us this morning. Today's scripture reading is in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. And the title of my sermon today is Broken Crayons Still Color. Let us go to the scripture this morning. And it says this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is, not, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Most loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this gift, God of life, and we thank you for the gift of our faith and the gift of Jesus. We ask, Holy One, this morning that you prepare our hearts, God, so that we may receive your word today, that you prepare our spirits, God, and that you open our ears so that we can hear clearly the message that you have for us this morning. I ask, Holy One, that you make me small so that your message may be magnified. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so we continue in this powerful study of the Gospel of Matthew. And what a powerful five months it has been. You know, in these um, studies of these parables and, and these scriptures, it has been an amazing time of reflection, of refocus, of repentance, of, of excitement, and unbelievable, incredible, transformational spiritual growth. It has been amazing. It has been an amazing journey together. But I will be honest with you, I do worry. I worry that some will be overwhelmed with these scriptures, um, being so deep and, and intense and such hard lessons. And I, and I think of today's scriptures and how Jesus is calling out the Pharisees because they, they were putting huge burdens uh, on the people and, and how difficult it was for them. And I think, God, I don't, I don't want to come across that way. But of course, we're talking about two different things. There's, there's um, the importance of being able to, um, to, to believe in the importance of, of scriptures and then applying those scriptures in our lives. And then there is the additional unnecessary burdens that sometimes religion and, and, and practices tend to put on people. And in fact, that's what was happening here uh, in that time. See, w they had received 10 commandments. But the Pharisees ended up creating 613 laws. 
613 laws. So, so if you think that, that going through these scriptures has been overwhelming, imagine how they must have felt during that time. And see, Jesus is calling them out because not only um, were these burdens too heavy for people to carry, they themselves, the Pharisees, were not even practicing what they were preaching. And he's calling them out on these things. And so, so I think that's important um, that we um, look at that today because, because we tend to get really distracted sometimes with the rules and the, and the traditions and the practices. And sometimes those traditions and practices and rules create additional burdens on people that they were never meant to carry, that we were never meant to carry. And so, so today it is my prayer that we are able to keep these things in check and keep these things in, in focus. Because the truth is, in, in my opinion, is that this kind of pressure, this kind of focus on religion and traditions and rules only creates two things. One of them is hypocrisy or the other one is discouragement. And when we talk about hypocrisy is because we, we are also creating an environment, a culture, especially in the church, where we don't, we think it's wrong to say we, we're struggling with something. We consider sometimes uh, confessing that we're struggling with something as a, as a sign of weakness. <clears throat> and so what happens is we end up having to justify our hypocrisy. Because we don't want to let people think that we're weak. And, and we think that that's going to distract from our message. And then we have here on the other side where we have discouragement. Where we say, you know what, I'm never going to get it right. Those are way too many rules and laws and I can't even keep up with them. I wake up and I already start failing. And I think that was pretty much my experience. I grew up in a very legalistic church. And, and my goodness, I felt like a failure um, all the time because I just could not do the right thing and keep up with these things. And, and so instead, I was just discouraged. And the moment I had the opportunity to, to walk away from the church, I did. And so, so today, I want to make sure that, that we understand um, what these um, things are so that, so that we can be careful not to fall into those distractions or those traps. See, let's understand here a little bit of what hypocrisy is. And hypocrisy, well, first, let's see if we, hypocrisy is not. Hypocrisy is not the gap between, you know, us wanting to do something and, and ended up doing something else. Um, it, it is not the gap of, of having every intention and, and plan to do something and then we ended up um, have, with a different outcome. That, that really isn't what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between the, the public persona and the private persona. The gap between what we do in public and what we do in private. The gap that says we do not practice what we preach. And then we know that this is not um, something that Jesus liked. In fact, he, he always um, kept them calling it out. And so, so we want to make sure that we understand that piece. And, and here um, today we're going to look at three life application points that it is my prayer will help us better understand these scriptures and better apply them in our lives. And here's the first life application point that I think continues with that thought is hypocrisy is not necessary. 
You know, um, a few years ago, I was watching a, a video on um, spiritual disciplines. And it was a class that was being taught by Dr. John Ortberg and his wife, uh, Dr. Nancy Ortberg. And, and when he was speaking, he said something that to me, I still remember today, and this was years ago. He said that the sin that he wrestles with is not the same sin that his wife, Nancy, wrestles with. He says, you know, we all wrestle with different sin and with different struggles in our lives. And so, you know, it's important to understand that, that not everybody wrestles with the same thing. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was in shock. I was in shock because I think it was the first time that I actually heard a preacher, a pastor, speak from a position of, of teaching and preaching and, and, and certain degree of authority, admit publicly that they struggled with sin. I couldn't believe that because I'm telling you, I can't remember um, ever hearing that because I, that's not where I grew up. Where I grew up, um, the pastor would definitely never admit that he's struggling with something. But in fact, he did a really good job at shaming us for struggling with sin. And so to hear these PhDs, you know, pastors, authors, speakers, say out loud that they struggled with sin, my goodness, it was surprising, it was shocking, but it was also so comforting to know that I was not alone. And, and somehow, church, we have created an environment in which we think that perfection should be our goal. And that's never the goal. We would need a savior if we could reach perfection on our own. You know, so, so today I want to, 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 to let you know the good news is that perfection is not what we're seeking. Perfection is not what's expected of us. So there is no need to try to justify um, and fall into a place of hypocrisy because we're afraid to admit that we're struggling with something. Because that is never, it was never the intention. But I know that that's the environment that we tend to create sometimes. In fact, I heard a Christian author say, Christians are not always perfect. Now, we tend to read that and maybe we don't think much of it. But in, in today's message, Wow, this really resounded. Not always perfect. Does that mean that we are perfect most of the time? That we are perfect, you know, more time than we are not? I'm not, no. There's definitely something wrong with that statement to say Christians are not always perfect. In my opinion, I think it should say Christians are not perfect, period. And I'm afraid we have... That hasn't been the message that as a church we have um, preached and, and, and taught. And so, so when we create that kind of an environment, we've, we force people to either fall into a place of hypocrisy or fall in a place of discouragement. And I'm telling you, um, as a pastor, in, in the very short years, I have dealt with both. The good news here, church, is that broken and useless are not synonymous. It is not 
Perfection is not what God seeks in order to use us in the way that he wants to use us. It was never meant that we had to be perfect before he would be willing to, to use us. And not just use us, but use us in a mighty way. So for those of us that have been discouraged for a long time thinking, he will never be able to use me. I will never be able to be that vessel. I will never be able to be that witness because I am so broken today. I am telling you, not only is that a lie, but he will absolutely use us, especially because of those experiences. Now, Hypocrisy is never the place that we want to reach. And we should never be able to justify it because I think we can do a good job as a church to justify our hypocrisy. We can say things like, well, um, okay, so maybe maybe I'm not perfect, but my sin is not as bad as that person's sin. Or we can say, okay, Pastor, I, you know, I'll grant you that we're not perfect, but you know, I at least try, whereas the other person just flat out doesn't even try. And somehow we think that that, that puts us in a better position, especially in a position where we can judge others. And let me tell you something. One of the problems with hypocrisy is that it is easy to judge others for struggling with sin that we are not struggling with. When they are struggling with something else, something different than we're struggling with, then it's easy for us to cast judgment on them. And today I'm here to tell you that it's not the environment that we need to create in our churches. You do not have to subscribe to the mentality that you have to be flawless in order for God to use you, that you have to clean your life up before you come to Jesus. That is not the way it works. And let me tell you something. <clears throat> it's interesting that Jesus reserves his strongest language for the religious leaders. The people that he called out and called hypocrites were the Pharisees, were the scribes, were the people that, that knew better, were the people that thought they were better. And those are the ones that Jesus called out. He didn't reserve that language for the tax collectors or for the prostitutes, or for the sinners. In fact, I believe Jesus took pride in being called the friend of sinners. So what then? So what then, what do we do um, to, to force people to act right? <laughs> and here is what I believe is our answer. We teach grace, we teach love, we teach hope. And, and the goal is not that people act right, is that when we understand um, and accept the grace and the love and the hope, then we strive to live right. Our job is not to clean people up. Our job is to make disciples. Our job is to provide an environment and provide the tools necessary so that we can um, grow, so that we can grow in our knowledge and our, our understanding and, and that we can make better choices in our lives and so that we can go through that transformational experience. But it's not for me to decide what, how or what that should be. That is between um, the person and God through the work of the Holy Spirit. And by again, as a church, um, community provide that support and that environment. 
I love the quote from George Myers that says, we are called to catch the fish, not clean them. But we're also called to make disciples. And so when we want to create an environment of growth and an environment of, of uh, accountability, it's not that we're being hypocrites or we're trying to create extra burdens. It's that, you know, we have a responsibility to do that. And, and sometimes when I say I worry that, that we can tend to be so intense and, and, and then some people might just want to just have fun, you know. Um, and, and trust me, I, I, I wish and am tempted to do that sometimes. But then I also think it would be a disservice. As a pastor, it would be a disservice if I wanted to sugarcoat the scriptures, if I think I need to sugarcoat the scriptures so that people would not be overwhelmed by them. I think, in fact, if I know the congregation in New Beginnings Christian Community Church, I think you all would be offended and would probably tell me, how dare you think that you have to water it down for me to understand it or accept it? So I believe that we need to um, do our job, take our place, and, and make the disciples that we are called to do by providing the, the tools and the expectation that we use them to grow. You know, I don't want to be an ineffective pastor. <clears throat> I think of, of, imagine if you go to the gym and you hire a personal trainer. And imagine if the personal trainer tells you, you know, if, if 25 pounds is too heavy for you, just do five. Just don't worry about it. Just do whatever, whatever feels good for you. You know, is one mile too long for you? Do, do a quarter of a mile. That's fine. You know what? Just make it look like you're doing something. It's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. You wouldn't think that that person would be very effective. And so I promise you, and it's our commitment in your beginnings, that we would not take that position. But hypocrisy is not necessary. True authenticity is a great thing. Authentic grace and understanding that, that we are the recipients of such amazing grace and that we can come as we are. And, 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 and that relationship that we have, God will take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. But we never want to create an environment in where we want people to act right. And we want people to do behavior modification. And that's what was happening with the Pharisees at the time. They were pretending that they were doing these things and, and expecting others to live up to some standards that were impossible for them to meet. Why would you need a savior if that's the case? Why would we need grace if we can attain perfection on our own? So, so hypocrisy is not necessary. Here's the second life application point. Allow your trials to be your testimony. It is important that not only that, that we um, are honest about where we have been but, and, and where we are, but share that with um, those people that, that God puts in our path. <clears throat> you know, um, I love the scripture and it reminded me of, of this um, art um, it's Japanese art called Kintsugi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kintsugi is a Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold. Built on the idea that embracing flaws and imperfections, you can create an even stronger and more beautiful piece of art. And in fact, we have a picture of what that type of art looks like. 
You know, I grew up in a religious environment that made me believe that in order to be a good witness, I had to hide my past. And, 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 and let me tell you something, for a long time, the, the one person that held me back from being the person, from answering my call was me. Because I was so afraid, because I was, I was taught to believe that, that if I, you know, shared, you know, the gospel with somebody that they would come to me and say, who are you kidding? I know you. I remember you. Who are you to be telling me anything about God? And I honestly thought that I had to clean my past in order for me to be able to take the position and answer the call that I'm, um, that I'm uh, um, being used in by God today. And how crazy is that? And so, so today I, I wanted to tell you that the only thing that does that tries to do is promote ourselves. And if we could do that on our own, then why would we need a savior? But by being authentic, by being true and honest about our past, it promotes Jesus's perfect grace. By being authentic of who we are, not just um, promotes his grace, but makes us relatable to those that we are trying to reach. I don't know about you, but I do. I have come across some people that are just so high and mighty that I can just, I could just not relate. And I think most people can't. And how are we going to reach those people that so desperately need to, to see what God can do um, with their lives when we're hiding what he has done in ours? So allow your past Allow your colorful past, allow your experiences to be your testimony, to be able to say, you know what, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. To be able to know, to say, you know what, you're right, I am, I was that person that, that you remember, but this is who I am today, and this is the amazing things that God has done in my life. And let me tell you something, when we're able to share our stories, we're also sharing God's amazing grace. Are we ready to be authentic? And are we ready to reach those people that we are called, that we are, that we need to reach um, in, in our, in this important time as is? Here's a third life application point. <clears throat> Here Jesus is saying, do not put people on a pedestal. But what's happening with the Pharisees here is they were seeking status. They were seeking those positions that were important. They were seeking, you know, people to, to look up to them and, and, and uh, be able to see them as this grandiose um, people and positions. They, they were more concerned about their appearance and, and promoting themselves and their holiness uh, about the people that they were, they were supposed to be ministering to. And Jesus here is saying, no, no, don't, don't do that. And church, let me tell you, that applies to us today too. The only things that belong in pedestals is vases, not people. And this is an important message for all of us because, you know, I love you and I love, I love being your pastor, but that doesn't take away from my humanness. And if you put me or any of the clergy or, or any, anyone else on a pedestal, I promise you, we're going to disappoint you. 
And if, and if if we you know put those people that we that we respect and admire and we mentor and we put them in such a high position and we put them in a pedestal, then you know what that tells us? I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to attain that and reach that. But when we understand their humanness, as John Orberg did on that day when he said said flat out, "Yes, I'm all these things, but I'm also struggling with something." Let me tell you something. Now, now it becomes relatable. Now you are able to say, "Wow, if you can, if God can do that in your life, then I am excited of what He can do in my life." So let's stop trying to seek positions of status and and you know and authority and glamour. In fact, um, truth be told, Christianity ministry. <laughs> can be the farthest thing from glamorous um, in many, many, many times. So, so this was a great reminder for us that we need to put people in the right perspective. Those that are trying to seek that status, those that are trying to, to seek those places of, of um, importance, that's not how God is wanting to use us. And, and to those people out there that put people in those positions, what you're doing is you're following people. And that's such a dangerous thing to do. Yes, it's okay to, to admire. Yes, it's okay to, to learn from, but never put them in such a place that, that is really a disservice to them. You're setting them up to fail, but you're also cheating yourselves of the true teacher, the true rabbi, the true instructor, the true leader um, that should be in our lives. And that is God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Today we live in a culture where it's, we easily can discard broken crayons or anything else that is broken. It is so easy for us to discard people, to discard dreams, to discard hope. And, and, and this message today is an amazing reminder that, that broken crayons might not look like the other crayons. In fact, they might even um, not just be broken, but lose the, 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 paper um, that they, um, the outer paper that they come with. But the one thing to remember, if you see a box of broken crayons and they have been peeled off, is that they never lose their color and they never lose their function. Our church have been put together by a bunch of broken crayons. And what a beautiful, colorful work of art it is. And for those of you that are listening today, that think, I'm just too broken. What good am I? God will never use me. I'm here to tell you, you are exactly the color we are missing. You are exactly the color God wants to use to complete his beautiful work of art. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Before we close, I want us to, to pray, and then I'm going to close with this um, poem that is one of my favorite poems. Um, I don't think um, Maya Angelou is the original writer, but the, the poem that I like is the one that, uh, the version that she published. And, and let us pray, and then we're going to close with this um, poem. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we just thank you for this message. We thank you, God, for such an awesome reminder, God, that that you want us to be authentic. 
because you know us, God. You know um, every cell in our bodies. You know every thought in our heads, God. And, and you know, um, and, and in fact, not only do you know these things, but you look at us and you say, you are good. So today, God, will you release us? God, will you help us be able to walk away from the mentality, from the idea that, that perfection is, is what we should portray, God, and, and that, that that only takes us to a place of hypocrisy or discouragement. So we ask, Father God, for forgiveness for the times in which we have judged others that are not struggling with the same thing that we're struggling. We ask for forgiveness, God, for the times when we have refused to acknowledge, God, the burdens and the, and the struggles that we um, are going through. Because by doing that, God, we're, we're not giving them to you to help us, God, through that process. And for those, God, that have been discouraged for too long, God, today, God, will, they, will these words be music to their ears, God? Will these words, this message today, God, just um, bring life, God, to their spirit? And know, Holy God, that it is exactly um, because of the, the struggles, it's exactly because of the experiences that your word tells us that you will use all things for the good, all things, even those flaws, even those mistakes, even those, those uh, experiences, God, that we don't want to talk about. You will use those things, God, to be able to help others and be able to encourage others and be able, God, to for us to be able to see to see how far, God, you've brought us forward. And so we thank you for that, the word of encouragement this morning. And we ask, Father God, that you give us the strength and you give us the courage, God, to move forward, to just accept, God, that, that we all um, are struggling with something different, God, but that, that you will still use us, that you will still use us and not just use us, but use us in a mighty way. And we thank you for that. And it is comforting, God, to know that this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. And it is our prayer that this message and this service has been a blessing to you. I invite you to join, uh, visit our website, nb-ccc.org. And you can look at our information about our church. If you go to our events uh, tab, go to the Wednesday tab, and you will also see the uh, link there the Zoom link for our connection time at 6.30 on Wednesdays and then our Bible study at 7 o'clock. You're also um, welcome to join our Spanish service at 9 o'clock in the morning and then our children's ministry service immediately after this service. If you visit our website, it's also an opportunity for you to continue to give your love offering and your tithes. And we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support and for your faithfulness during these difficult times. So thank you so much. And here is a poem that I want to close with because I really think it speaks to today's message. And, and it's a message, a poem that I think we all should be able to relate to. And it says, when I say I am a Christian. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not shouting, I'm clean living. I'm whispering, I was lost. Now I'm found and forgiven. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride. I'm confessing that I stumble. I need Christ to be my guide. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and need his strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting that I have failed and need God to clean my mess. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. 
when I say I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my shares of heartaches, so I call upon his name. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple sinner who received God's grace somehow. God bless you.